Welcome to The Real News. I'm Jess Lenore. House Democrats have introduced articles of impeachment against President Trump for, quote, incitement of insurrection. After years of stoking right-wing violence, President Trump incited hundreds to storm the Capitol on January 6th to attempt to stop the certification of the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Numbered in the hundreds and included avowed white nationalists, conspiracy theorists, Republican elected officials, GOP donors, and off-duty law enforcement, overwhelmed Capitol Police, forced members of Congress and their staffers to barricade themselves in their offices, and forced Congress into recess. Democrats say they will vote to impeach Trump if Vice President Mike Pence fails to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove him. Well, to discuss this and more, we're joined by Dr. Gerald Horn, Morris Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston, has written more than 30 books. His most recent, The Dawning of the Apocalypse, The Roots of Slavery, White Supremacy, Settler Colonialism, and Capitalism in the Long 16th Century, published in June 2020. Uh, thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you for inviting me. So today, the House introduced articles of impeachment against President Trump for, quote, incitement of insurrection, which most Republicans, the vast majority, have rejected, saying now is the time for unity and healing. What's your response? Well, I think that the Republicans are responding, I'm afraid to say, to their base. As you may know, polling suggests that the storming of the Capitol was not necessarily unpopular amongst the Republican Party grassroots. I think that the Republican Party has a problem because on the one hand, their corporate sponsors have profited handsomely from this deal whereby the Euro-American working class and middle class supplied votes to the GOP, which then passed tax cuts for the wealthy and other giveaways to the 1%, although the voters, the foot soldiers themselves did not do that well at all. That led directly to the tumult of January 6th. But the corporate sponsors of the GOP do not have an alternative, it seems to me, to that kind of electoral base. And so therefore, they are in a jam, and it will be fascinating to watch how they try to extricate themselves. Uh and so those who were surprised by last week's events seemingly have ignored the growing threat posted by right-wing violence or have chosen to ignore its deep roots in American history, something you've written about extensively. Joe Biden claimed this is not who we are. Here's a clip of what he said. Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. What we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness. I understand why Joe Biden does not have a grasp of U.S. history. It would be extraordinary if he did. What I find particularly tragic and disappointing is that many of our friends on the left seemingly have the same affliction as Joseph R. Biden. What I mean is, is that they see the disparate treatment between Black Lives Matter protesters, how they're manhandled and treated to roughhouse tactics by the police with regard to in comparing that to the namby-pamby approach that the Capitol Police took towards the insurrectionists. 
that should not be surprising. It should be surprising only to those who do not have a grasp of U.S. history. Uh, what I mean is, is that that kind of disparate treatment is not a bug of the system, as Mr. Biden and some of our friends on the left would have it. It's a feature of the system. It's an inevitable result of a settler colonial regime that was established hundreds of years ago. And of course, settler colonialism is not part of the ordinary everyday vocabulary of many of our friends on the left, but the country was built upon racism and apartheid. How do you think that the land was taken from the Native Americans? How do you think that all these Africans crossed the Atlantic and were enslaved for more years on this soil than they've been free, quote unquote. And so it seems to me that the country has reached a, a kind of reckoning, uh, but ideologically, I'm not sure if even our friends on the left are ready and capable of dealing with this reckoning. So that flag, the, the Confederate battle flag, really, I feel like being in the Capitol stuck, you know, really hit, uh, really highlights um, several key moments in U.S. history. And I wanted to talk to you about the ending of Reconstruction after the Civil War and um, the parallels to what happened in capitals during in the South um, versus what happened um, on January 6th. Well, what I find remarkable is that you have some of our friends on the left once again saying, that this could not have been a coup because apparently the military was not involved, even though you had that extraordinary op-ed by Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, and other former chiefs of the Pentagon on January 4th in the Washington Post, warning the Pentagon, warning the military not to get involved in this domestic crisis. The Financial Times of London editorialized the next day. What do they know that we don't know? Were they worried that the military was about to get involved? But in any case, the idea that you need the military to pull off a coup ignores this Reconstruction history. Uh, for example, if you look on the front page of the Raleigh News and Observer, the leading paper in North Carolina yesterday, they reminded one and all that in 1898, you had a kind of mob that overthrew the Black-influenced government in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898. During the Reconstruction period in the 1870s, you repeatedly had these white mobs that overthrew governments, duly constituted governments in Dixie. And so once again, I think the problem is people really have a romanticized view of the history of the United States. They may acknowledge in the abstract and theoretically the point that it is bloodstained, but when it comes to the grimy details, they don't seem to have a clue. And what's fascinating about that period is that you had, you know, you had black people voting um, after the Civil War. You had black elected officials going to Congress during that time, and that is really what the this the mob you're talking about, um, these you know, which carried out these coups in the South. That's really what they were rebelling against. Can you, can you talk about that? Well, sure. I mean, uh, post 1865, of course, you had the abolition of slavery, which meant that many former slave owners had their property taken without compensation, which obviously made them furious. And then you had people, black people, who they had seen as the equivalent of cows and sheep uh, walking around claiming that they were equal, in fact, getting elected to office. This led to a furious counter-reaction, a counter-revolution, in fact, 
which accompanies, of course, the counter-revolution of 1776 against the abolition of slavery spreading from London, which helped to bring the country into being. And so after these Reconstruction governments were overthrown, uh, that was followed by decades of U.S. apartheid and Jim Crow, so-called separate but unequal, but which is actually separate and unequal, until international pressure in the 1950s, accompanied by mass protests amongst Black people themselves and their allies, led to an agonizing and halting retreat from the more egregious aspects of Jim Crow. But keep in mind that there were mass uprisings in North, excuse me, in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1957, when there was an attempt to desegregate Central High School. President Eisenhower had to send federal troops there. There was a mass uprising at Ole Miss University of Mississippi in 1962. Once again, federal troops had to be sent. When there was an attempt to desegregate the Boston school system by dint of busing in the 1970s. Once again, you had a mass uprising. And so people who are surprised by the events of January 6th, sadly and tragically, do not have a fundamental understanding of U.S. history. And I'm afraid to say many of us will pay a stiff price as a result. Finally, these events unfolded as Democrats retook control of the Senate, including with the win by the first black senator from Georgia, first black Democrat in the history of the South going to the Senate. The Democrats are facing a massive public health crisis, an economic crisis. Senator Bernie Sanders recently addressed the stakes on CNN. Let me just be very clear as the incoming chairman of the uh, Senate Budget Committee. I remember what happened in 2000. In 10. And that is, the Democrats during the 2008 2010 period controlled the White House, they controlled the Senate, controlled the House. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And you remember what happened in 2010? Democrats got wiped out. They had the power, but they did not deliver for the American people. So, what we have got to do right now, no ifs, buts, or maybes, is have an aggressive agenda that says we understand that millions of people, including my neighbors right here in Vermont, people are lining up in their cars in order to get emergency food. People can't pay their medical bills. People are going deeper and deeper into debt. Looking forward, um, Democrats need to deal with this in addition to what's happening now with this imminent insurrection. Um, what does this mean for their ability to get things done and not get wiped out in the next midterms, as is the, the recent tradition in U.S. history? Well, I think the Democrats need to strike while the iron is hot. The GOP is on the back foot. Their corporate sponsors are in a tizzy. They're withdrawing support from congresspersons who were involved in this insurrection of January 6th. And so, therefore, the Democrats should push forward aggressively while their opponents are on the back foot, pushing forward aggressively with regard to raising the minimum wage, with regard to strengthening the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, with regard to a Green New Deal and Medicare for All. The moment is ripe right now for a progressive advance. While the Republicans are on the defensive, there is no time like the present. And finally, um, I wanted to ask you specifically around impeachment. You talked about all the other priorities the Democrats face. Do you think it's necessary to um, you know, impeach Trump. Um, we know uh, Rep. Cory Bush introduced a measure to hold accountable Congress people, uh, hold accountable and expel Congress people that um, you know helped incite this riot. Do you think that is important too? I think 
Congresswoman Cori Bush from St. Louis, my hometown, is right on. She is right on the money. Recall that you had uh, Dixiecrat congresspersons expelled from Congress in the run-up to the U.S. Civil War and in the immediate aftermath of the firing on Fort Sumter. Uh, this is a comparable moment. I think that they should also be pressured to resign if they are not expelled by their peers in Congress. I'm speaking specifically of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, and the scores, the dozens of Republicans in the House who voted even as mobs had invaded the Capitol for the electoral results of November 3rd to be overturned. Likewise, I think the miscreants who have been apprehended need to be punished severely. That'll be a deterrence to them acting similarly in coming days. It also will make the streets safer for persons like myself. And also, not unimportantly, it will introduce strains in the Republican Party coalition. It may lead to a split in the Republican Party, which I think we should see as a strategic objective, because as long as the Republican Party is united, we'll all be in trouble. And yes, we need to see Mr. Trump not only impeached, but convicted by the U.S. Senate. Certainly, we need to have criminal investigations of Mr. Trump after he leaves office, because if he is convicted under certain laws, it will make it difficult, if not impossible, for him to mount a challenge in 2024, which I'm sure he certainly wants to do. And I'm sure we'll hear, be hearing more about his efforts to self to preemptively self-pardon himself before he leaves office as well. Uh, Dr. Gerald Horn, always a pleasure uh, to speak with you. And thank you so much for sharing you know, so much uh, knowledge and history, this important history that we all need to be paying attention to right now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for watching The Real News Network.